Fast and free is the mantra of online retailers today when it comes to shipping orders to customers. But can they afford to keep it up? Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. competition in e-tailing today is so brutal that many sellers believe they have to include free shipping as part of their basic offering to customers. On top of that, they're shrinking the time it takes to get product into the customer's hands. It's all great news for buyers, but the policy has to be chipping away at already thin margins of the retailers. Even the biggest names in retailing are jumping into the game in a bid to compete with the Amazon.com monster. Last Christmas season, Target surprised everyone by offering free shipping with no spending threshold. Meanwhile, the big package carriers were in danger of being overloaded by holiday volumes, driven by retailers promising delivery right up to Christmas. So is the model sustainable, or will this game of chicken send some sellers over the cliff? My guest today, Tom Barone, is Vice President of North American Operations with eBay Enterprise. He tells us where he thinks the trend is going and how traditional retailers can take advantage of the omni-channel to keep up with Amazon and its pure online competitors while balancing the cost and speed of shipping. So here is my conversation with Tom Barone. Tom Barone, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bob. It's great to be here. Good to talk about this issue of some of the complications that are arising uh, with online retailers and brick-and-mortar retailers as customers begin to demand faster, shorter, better deliveries, uh, especially during a busy holiday season. I want to talk first, if you could just sort of present to me what you think is the is the situation as it's now laid out. What are the pressures on retailers today to step up their game in terms of delivery? And we can break that down into uh, free delivery, same day and one day. But just the larger question, would you agree that there's more pressure? And, and basically, what is the situation today? Absolutely, Bob. There's there's increasing pressure. I think, the, you know, as we think about it, the, con- the concept of fast and free shipping. Certainly, there's, there's a plenty of retailers out there, particularly for the holidays, that are offering unlimited free shipping, uh, Target just went to unlimited free shipping for the holiday period, LLB, Nordstrom's. There's plenty of folks out there offering free shipping with no restrictions, uh, and certainly plenty of retailers, probably the vast majority, that are offering free shipping with some sort of restriction. So I think, you know, fast and free is the, is the theme, and I think it depends on category. Uh, in some cases, what's more important? In some cases, you can, you can have uh, free without being fast. In some cases, you need to have both. It seems like there was a time not too long ago when the prediction was that the um, free shipping was going away, that finally e-tailers were going to have to stop eating the cost of that if they wanted to be profitable. And in fact, Amazon coming up with the Prime membership for the two-day 
uh, free delivery if you signed up and paid a certain amount each month. Now, all of a sudden, it sounds like it's come back, come roaring back, in fact, and it's become kind of the cost of admission. Is that the case that if you don't have free shipping today that you're really not in the game? I, I think, Bob, at some level. We sponsored a recent study with CFI Group, and 90% of consumers in that study said that shipping cost is an important factor in their decision to make a purchase or not. And 53% of those consumers cite shipping cost as the second most likely reason that they would switch from one retailer to another. With that said, uh, there's other studies that say, hey, consumers are willing to make a commitment to get free shipping. You know, they're willing to, if it's a minimum order size, if it's a joint loyalty program, consumers are willing to take some actions to qualify for that free shipping. But, but I think at some level, because there are retailers, much like retailers are setting the bar earlier and opening on Thanksgiving Day, retailers have set the bar, you know, at free for shipping, at, at, with some threshold for free shipping. And I think that's where, where consumers are driving to. Um, although willing to accept some trade-offs. I mean, Amazon, if you're not a Prime member, you know, you've got to go with the, you know, super saver five to seven days to get free shipping. Or again, in other cases, to qualify for a, you know, if it's a minimum order value or some other threshold, uh, consumers are willing to do that. So there's some aspect of consciousness on their part. If they're not necessarily willing to pay a lot, they understand that there is some kind of concession that has to be made or, or it will have to be made in order to get this free shipping. Yeah, I think people at some level get that nothing is free. Somehow you're you're paying for that, either in the you know the margin of the product, or again, okay, you're joining a loyalty program, or you're willing to commit to a certain order value. At some point, economics do, you know, for both parties, you know, ultimately play into this. You sure we're talking about the internet here? I thought the assumption of the internet was that everything is free. I guess that's a bit of a, a bit of an exaggeration, though, right? Yeah, and again, I think I, I was very surprised, candidly, to see somebody like Target offer free shipping during the holidays with, with no threshold. If people start buying their paper towels online from Target, I could see how that could be a challenge for them in their business. Now, as you point out, the parallel here, it's not just about cost, it's about speed. So we are, at the same time, we are offering consumers faster delivery. You know, two days maybe just as as long as anyone can bear to wait for a product anymore. And now we have overnight, and now we're beginning to see same day. That's not assumed to be free by anyone, is it? No. I, I think people, and again, there, there's been a variety of different studies. And I think same day, and, and a lot of people share my view, is is going to be relatively niche. I think from a cost perspective, it's going to be restricted to, you know, very dense urban areas, New York, Chicago, Miami, places like that, where you, San Francisco, where you've got you know population density within a geography. Otherwise, the economics don't pay out, and, and consumers recognize to get same day or even next day. You know that often uh, to get a guaranteed next day. Let's put it that way. That they need to to pay for that. Now, I think is is stores leverage omni-channel fulfillment, and more and more retailers offer in-store pickup. You know, that certainly now becomes the option for a consumer to get it same day for free, but they've got to get to the store to pick it up. And with leveraging ship from store, store proximity to the consumer can often result in next day delivery, you know, at a ground rate, in which case that may be called a surprise and delight for the consumer. You know, they were expecting it in two to three days, but got it in one because of, again, a retailer leveraging their store network for ship from store capability. 
I think the you know, two to I'll call it two to four days is probably the consumer expectation, generally speaking. But I think again, people like Amazon with Prime are are continuing to raise the bar in terms of the consumer expectation on that front. So it's not necessarily a question of having to build DCs or warehouses closer to the consumer, as you point out. We're seeing the increasing trend of the stores themselves becoming warehouses, picking points for online ordering. Absolutely, you know, in my view. Bob of, you know, omni-channel. I know it's the buzzword today in the industry and everybody's talking about omni-channel. But when I, when I speak about omni-channel, I'm thinking in-store pickup, ship from store, in-store returns, kind of leveraging your store network for a better consumer choice and experience. My view is omni-channel is, is the analogous to, you know, mobile four or five years ago and even getting an e-commerce, call it 10 years ago, where it's, it's quickly evolving from a nice-to-have to a need-to-have to be competitive in the marketplace. And we're seeing a lot of retailers are either looking to do it, uh, either doing it or looking to do it, to uh, be competitive and stay competitive, that it's becoming a necessity. Then there's the issue of cutoff dates for just how late in, say, the Christmas season that you want to promise next-day delivery. I mean, last year, we saw so many retailers promising Christmas Eve delivery. I wonder if that was one of the reasons why we had such a snarl up at UPS and others, just because of those promises were just a little bit more than, than the retailers and the couriers themselves could make good on. Yeah, it's a great point. And, and there were some weather issues in, in certain parts of the country, but clearly UPS and FedEx got overloaded. I, I, I think prior years, the execution was so good, people just assumed that this can be you know, executed against. And a few large retailers, and, and I think Amazon, no, I think Amazon was one of them, got demand that exceeded anybody's forecast and, and overloaded the network capability of, of the two big carriers. Now, UPS and FedEx have both made significant investments this year to address their capacity for next-day delivery. At the same time, they're working closely with their their clients to understand forecast and understand capacity relative to that. I, I think some retailers may be a little more cautious this year in terms of even time-of-day cutoff. I think you're still going to see promotions on the 23rd for delivery on the 24th. The question is, you know, we offered uh, as late as 11 p.m. Uh, on the 23rd for delivery on the 24th. Some of our retail clients are going to back off that a little bit. Like, maybe, hey, maybe we don't go all the way until 11 p.m. on the 23rd for delivery on the 24th. That might be cutting a little close. Let's give a little more cushion to make sure we're not uh, – over over committing and, and having execution issues to, to their our customers. Except then you fear that the other guy is going to go ahead and do that and you'll get caught out. So there's always that game of chicken that everybody's playing. Absolutely. There's a game of chicken. Um, <laughs> and it's interesting. We, 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 you know, with our clients have kind of been, always been back and forth with Amazon of who's offering, you know, that latest cutoff on the 23rd until last year, it was always everybody kind of tweaked a half hour later and a half hour later. And, now, again, some of our clients, even though we can, out of some of our DCs, offer that 11 p.m., some of our clients are saying, mm, I don't think I want to take it quite to that limit. I'm going to back off a little bit. Now, 
what Target has doing and what others are doing as well is clearly intended to keep them in the game. We've talked about cost to the consumer. Let's talk about cost to the retailer. This has got to be a drag on their costs. And it's a question of what is the impact on profit margins as a result of offering all these specialized services? Can they sustain this type of high level of service and still make money in a business where the margins are already so thin? I think it's and it depends, Bob. I think it depends a little bit, to your point, in the category, you know, in the margins in certain categories. I think consumer packaged goods, back to Target, I think could be a challenge. And maybe they start excluding certain products and certain categories from that. I think the other piece that our people are looking at the total equation is, hey, what's the, the lifetime value of a customer What's the cost of acquisition of a new customer? And if I'm not offering, you know, free shipping at some level, am I going to, back to the earlier studies, am I going to lose some customers? And again, what's the lifetime value of that lost customer? What's it going to cost me to acquire a new customer? And I think they're absolutely factoring that into the equation, not just looking at, okay, that order for Bob, I lost a dollar on, and, and that's, you know, that's, that's a bad thing. Maybe I kept Bob as a consumer, and the lifetime value of Bob as a consumer right, makes that trade-off. But I do think, back to, hey, nothing is free. And at some point, it's got to be built into either the product margin, and, and certainly you know, Zappos, uh, now owned by Amazon, was, was one of the first, right? Free overnight shipping, free returns, kind of built it into the price of the shoes, right? It, it, at some level, that was built into the price of the shoes and the business model. And hey, maybe that was part of their marketing expense, that they spent less money on marketing. And, and that's one of, our, one of our clients look at is that, you know, they consider the ship subsidy, right? So the amount of subsidy they're, they're doing on freight, almost they're looking at it as a marketing expense. And, and maybe that's a more effective dollar spent than a dollar spent on some other marketing vehicle. So I think they're looking at that total cost, including marketing expense, as they, as they think about this. Well, perhaps that can work if you're a recognized brand that people gravitate towards, such as Zappos, and maybe you could build a few more pennies into the price of the shoe and it won't lose you the sale. If you're a more generic or a more commoditized type product from which there are many alternatives, maybe you can't get away with that. That is true, right? If you've got proprietary product or a great brand. Now, when Zappos started, that's kind of what helped create their brand, you know, with the free shipping and, and free overnight. But that's where Amazon is a tough competitor for somebody. If you don't have proprietary product, if you're selling a commodity that someone can buy anywhere, and, and if you're an Amazon Prime member for 99 bucks and you can get everything two-day shipping, that's a tough competitor for some retailers. Of course, then the second game of chicken that gets played during the holiday season is just how quickly the various retailers start discounting merchandise. And in years past, we have seen good volumes of sales undercut by discounts being taken right in the midst of the Christmas season in a, what appears to be a desperate attempt to hang on to customers. So that's got to also eat away at profit margins. And I guess these companies have to find additional ways to recover that at the back end. Yeah, it's certainly we're seeing the creep earlier and earlier every year. Uh, a few years ago, Thanksgiving was was a not a you know was, was certainly not a retail day and was even a relatively small day in e-commerce. We've seen in e-commerce Thanksgiving become a, a a big day. You know, Black Friday has now morphed into Thanksgiving, and, and clearly now retailers are opening earlier 
on Thanksgiving Day with you know some controversy, but I think again, okay, I can't afford to not do it if my competitor is, and I think everybody's worried about okay, when does that consumer run out of money? And I want to make sure they shop with me before they spent their budget for the season. Cyber Monday has become Cyber Week, and I think Black Friday has become Thanksgiving Week. And we're going to, we're starting to see, you know, plan promotions start on Sunday of Thanksgiving Week. Uh, people aren't even waiting to Black Friday. It almost seems like these terms have become sort of media buzz terms, and they don't really reflect the realities of retailing during the holiday season, especially speaking from the standpoint of someone who starts to see Christmas trees in, in stores around, thing, around uh, Halloween. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, I wonder if that's even the case anymore, that those two days are really that central to the, to the value of a holiday shopping season. You know, they, they still are big days. I think, I think Black Friday... A tradition A, but you know you've got lots of folks that have that day off, and it's a holiday weekend. So I think it's you know Black Friday. It, certainly at retail is going to continue to be an important day, but I think for sure, you know there's a there's a trend of earlier and later, as again people are competing for that. Consumers only have so much budget, and they're competing for that budget. And, and again, part of it is hey, I don't want to get have that person spend their budget before they hear about my promotion, and they love it, but it's too late. What do you see in terms of changing network design strategies that are created in order to meet this new level of need? used to be like maybe there'd be one big centralized warehouse, maybe two at the most in the country, and that would serve the entire country. Now we see a lot more regional and smaller sites, although in the case of Amazon, not necessarily smaller. More inventory in more places, though, right? Yeah, so I think it depends on size for sure and a little bit of category. But a I, I, trend, you know, is, is a um, retailer grows with their e-commerce business. The thought of a two, I think two or three DC network is all you really need. If, if they're strategically placed, we can get pretty good coverage with, a, you know, a Midwest, call it a Kentucky-centric uh, plus a West Coast DC. You can get pretty good coverage of the country in terms of two-day delivery network with a 2DC model, I think is, is cost-effective. And then really back to Omnichannel, leveraging their stored network in addition to that. And some of that is, you know, speed to the consumer because of proximity. Generally, if you're closer, your shipping cost is going to be lower. Plus, the big benefit of ship from store is you're leveraging your store inventory. So you're, you're basically you're exposing your entire retail chain inventory to your online consumers. So you're never out of stock as long as you've got something somewhere. No retailer is perfect at inventory planning allocation in terms of having right the right inventory at the right place. And with Omnichannel, it, it helps address those concerns because you're, you're continuing to sell it as long as you've got it in stock somewhere. So that's one of the big benefits for retailers is the incremental sales and the inventory, improving their inventory utilization by enabling Omnichannel and leveraging your stores uh, as a shipping point for e-commerce. Of course, that's got to be tied to very accurate demand forecasting because the cost of keeping an item on a store shelf for an online pick has got to be more than the cost of keeping it in a warehouse just because of the difference in real estate costs, right? Certainly, you know, call it total cost of fulfillment is always going to be more efficient out of a centralized DC. But again, if you've got inventory in stores, really for your, you know, projected, okay, for the people that are coming through, most retailers are not necessarily allocating more inventories to stores for ship from store, but leveraging that inventory that didn't sell in certain stores, again, for, for speed and cost reasons. 
Now, again, that depends a little bit on category. I think a great example is sporting goods merchandise, right? We're in football season. So if you're in Philadelphia, hey, you want to have your Eagles jerseys, you know, in the stores. And if you're Chicago, it's the Bears jerseys or whatever, you get the theme. But the thought of, hey, getting that inventory that is mostly regionalized to some extent, hey, in your store footprint so you can sell it for your walkthrough traffic, but then also leverage that same inventory for ship from store, uh, in many cases makes sense as opposed to carrying all 32 leagues, you know, teams in the league and a, and a centralized DC somewhere. So in certain cases, it does make sense to forward deploy that inventory to give you the best chance of selling it. Of course, the centralized or the regional DCs aren't going away either, though, because the, just because you need them for the great amount of product they can stock. Do you think they're doing a good job of creating facilities that can simultaneously handle the needs of, say, a typical brick-and-mortar store where product might go out on pallets and in truckloads versus eaches and smaller orders that an online order might generate? Can that all be fulfilled from the same facility today? It can, but it has challenges. You know, there's some – sometimes it's systemic challenges. In some cases, it's back to inventory planning and allocation in terms of how a retailer – has allocated inventory to different channels. I, I think, and you know, we're seeing in a replenishment model, right? Even to stores, it may not be eaches, but it's not a pallet of right full cases either. Um, as they look at inventory optimization, so it's a question of how you set up the warehouse system, and sometimes it's a DC within a DC, if you will, right? That you'll have a a central storage area, you'll have a processing area for the store replenishment B2B, and you'll have a separate process area, processing area uh, for B2C. Is the picture any different for B2B types of transactions? And of course, eBay Enterprises plays in that space, right? Uh, from that standpoint, are the demands that customers in that area are making for delivery, cost, and speed any different than, say, a, a B2C type customer is making? I think there's pressure on everybody in terms of reducing cost, right? So every every industry is always under pressure of how do I get more efficient? How do I reduce cost? And everybody's also looking at, hey, how do I turn my inventory faster? So I think if it's time to consumer or if it's time to store, speed matters. And, and if you think about, again, inventory turns, inventory efficiency, speed to market. If I've got the, you know, whatever new product, the faster I get that in my, my store shelves, and maybe I can get ahead of my competition on, on a product in store shelves, I think speed matters in, in either scenario and cost matters in either scenario. So what's the future look like to you? I mean, you talked about retailers drawing back a little bit from cutoff, from promises of really late cutoffs of orders. In general, though, these trends we're talking about today, do you expect them just to get just to get even more intense in the years ahead? Will there be a need for some pulling back from, some, from the edge of the cliff in this constant game of chicken? And what is a retailer going to have to face in terms of its, you know, it, it juggling profit, cost, and speed in, in, in the coming months and years? The march is towards fast and free uh, on shipping. And, and I think, I don't think there's anything that's going to stop that march. I do think consumers, you know, I'll call it two days, right? Two to three days, I, I, I think is a, you know, expectation. I don't think the consumer expectation is, hey, I'm going to order it on a Monday. It's going to show up on Tuesday. In many cases, they don't need or necessarily want it. I, I, I think it's around, there's two themes. 
Bob. One is consumer choice and convenience, that maybe the consumer defines, hey, I actually want it delivered on Thursday. Interesting, UPS did a study that says if, if you ordered, if on the weekend you ordered from you know four different retailers, you'd rather get all four packages delivered on Thursday than one on Tuesday, one on Wednesday, one on Thursday, and one on Friday. And, and as a consumer, you'd rather have all four show up at once on the day you pick. Thursday, so specif- specificity example. of specificity of order might be as important as velocity of order. Yeah, consumer choice and convenience. And if you think about it, that's good for UPS, right? Because they're now dropping four boxes with one stop at Bob's house instead of four stops, which ultimately helps cost. So I think there's a, a choice and convenience for consumers. Maybe they want it dropped off at a lockbox. Maybe they want in-store pickup. I, I think ultimately choice and convenience is a big deal for consumers. I think the other piece, we talked about it earlier, is omnichannel. I do think that's part of how retailers compete against people like Amazon, leveraging their store network. Let's face it, as much as e-commerce is growing, today you know, over 90% of retail sales are still in-store. People still want, at some level, an in-store experience. Brick-and-mortar retailers have the opportunity to leverage their stores back to, again, in-store pickup, right? So if you really want it, need it same day, you're not willing to pay for it, you can, you can leverage in-store pickup, in-store returns. We already talked about ship from store. So I really think leveraging your store network for delivering that consumer an omni-channel experience can help with this. Because now in-store pickup, you're offering same-day delivery with no, no cost, right? There is no shipping cost, uh, nor, nor cost to the consumer. So you've now offered free shipping effectively to the consumer at no cost to the retailer. And 60% of those consumers, when they walk through your store, are actually going to buy something else. So not only do you get a free cost shipment, but you have the opportunity to increase the, the value of that basket by selling that consumer something else while you're in your store. Mm-hmm. So I really, really believe that what's coming down the, the pipe, the future, I think omni-channel, back to again, I think it's going from a nice-to-have to a need-to-have to stay competitive in retail. And it's part of how retailers compete against the pure plays like Amazon. Well, Tom, thank you so much for helping us to understand what the situation is today, as complex as it is and as complex as it's going to be in the future. I really appreciate your perspective. Thank you, Tom Barone, for being with us today. Thanks, Bob. It's been a pleasure. That was my conversation with Tom Barone of eBay Enterprise talking about the pressure on retailers to offer fast and free shipping of online orders. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. See you next time.